Welcome to Beekeeping Today podcast presented by Bee Culture. Beekeeping Today podcast is your source for beekeeping news, information, and entertainment. I'm Jeff Ott. And I'm Kim Flatham. Hey, Jeff and Kim. Today's sponsor is Global Patties. They're a family-operated business that manufactures protein supplement patties for honeybees. It's a good time to think about honeybee nutrition. Feeding your hives protein supplement patties will ensure that they produce strong and healthy colonies by increasing brood production and overall honey flow. Now is a great time to consider what type of patty is right for your area and your honeybees. Global offers a variety of standard patties as well as custom patties to meet your needs. No matter where you are, Global is ready to serve you out of their manufacturing plants in Airdrie, Alberta, and in Butte, Montana, or from distribution depots across the continent. Visit them today at www.globalpatties.com. You bet. We want to thank Bee Culture Magazine for continuing their presenting sponsorship of this podcast. As you know, Bee Culture has been the magazine for American beekeeping since 1873. That's a long time. Subscribe to Bee Culture today, and while you're there, check out their Bee Culture's Beekeeping, your first three years, a quarterly magazine for beginning beekeepers. And we also in this, uh, we also want to thank Two Million Blossoms for their sponsorship of this podcast. Two Million Blossoms is a new quarterly magazine dedicated to protecting all pollinator insects both wild and managed before they all disappear. The magazine is full of beautiful photos and informative articles and beautiful photos and informative articles from authors such as Dr. Marla Spivak, Dr. Mark Winston, and you know who, Kim Flottam. Learn more in our uh, Season 2, Episode 9 podcast with editor Kirsten Trainer, and from visiting the website www.2millionblossoms.com and that is with the number two. Hey, Kim. We got a great guest lined up. Uh, your friend uh, Jeremy Burbridge from Northern Bee Books. Yeah, I've known Jeremy quite a while, and and he's not well known in this country, but mm. his books are. And and uh, I'm looking forward to, to talking to him today. I haven't I haven't talked to him for a while, but uh, Northern Bee Books, and then his role in the National Honey Show in London every year. He's uh, instrumental in both of those, and he does two magazines. So. He's uh, got his fingers in the beekeeping world all over. He's definitely sounds very busy. I'm looking forward to talking to him. So, Kim, yeah, you didn't get to any of the, the major conferences this this winter. No, I I sat them out. For, I sat out both of them this year for I think maybe the first time ever. Uh, being retired has me playing a somewhat different role in the world, <laughs> but. Uh, Kathy and of course Jerry were at the Federation meeting and Kathy sat in on on uh, Sammy's talk and he's talking about tropolabs. Dr. Dr. Sammy Ramsey, Samuel Ramsey. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Sam Ramsey's talk and he's really really digging into what this is and it's a good thing because we don't know anything about that pest and you know and I know it's going to show up here sooner rather than later and the more we know the more we'll be able to take care of it. And he's looking at it now, and uh, I'm hoping we can get him back on or at least do one of his updates because uh, he's really looking at things in a lot of detail that I think are going to do us a lot of good down the road. I would enjoy having him back. I saw him on um, uh, in Hive TV, in the Hive TV, and he had a little thing about triple A-laps, and uh, boy, it'd be great to have him back on the podcast. You betcha. Well... 
you know, I know Jeremy's waiting for us. Let's uh, call him up on Zoom and, and talk to him right away. Okay. Welcome, Jerry, to Beekeeping Today podcast. Glad you could join us this evening. It's very nice to be here. Good to see you again, Jeremy. It's been a while since we've had a chance to chat. Uh, Jeff, I, would, I know you don't know Jeremy very well. I'm going to introduce him very quickly, and then I'm going to let him t- tell us who he is and what he does. But uh, I've known Jeremy for several years, We're introduced at the National Honey Show. I've been uh, to his place in the U.K. several times since then, and uh, consider him one of my better friends. So uh, I hope, I hope uh, you get to know him as well as I have. Jeremy. You uh, run a company called Northern Bee Books, and, and although your books are, are well-known over here, your company isn't very well. Tell me a little bit about Northern Bee Books, your editor, uh, where you get your writers. Uh, this is your chance to kind of kind of share what you do with the world. Uh, Northern Bee Books is, is a very small organization. Um, we publish books. And for instance, in the last year, we've published 19 titles. Um, we've just published one on drones, which is amazing. Sold in the first 24 hours, it sold 50 copies. Wow. And, uh, uh, you know, we're doing well like that. We stockhold books, and I claim to have the widest range of English language books in the world. Uh, we list about 450 titles. We have a second-hand section. Goodness only knows, I think we have something like a 1,000 books on, on eBay, and we've got lots more that we haven't got around to putting on. <laughs> and then we published two magazines, uh, The Beekeeps Quarterly, which we've, which for, for a year we've, we're up to about issue 130. So you can work out how many years we've been doing that. And over the last... Three or four years, we've been publishing a magazine for natural beekeepers called Natural Bee Husbandry. Um, And that's basically what we do here, um, serve the needs of the beekeeping community in the English-speaking world. Well, I've been been to your place and I've seen your collection. Uh, Go back a little bit. How did you get started doing this? Um, I trained as a teacher, and in the early 60s, I think I was earning about £37 a month, (laughs) which in present terms would be, what, $55, something like that, perhaps a little less. And I was in Cheltenham, and there was a a bookseller, second-hand bookseller, and every Christmas he used to sell books to fund his Christmas activities. And he had a book by Ged. And this is the first beekeeping book written by a Scotsman. It's about 1675, something like that. What was the name? You Um, said Ged? Ged. Ged was the author. G-E-D-E. Or G-E-D-E, I think. Anyway, I decided I couldn't afford it. Uh, And I walked up and down the prom, and then I thought, blow, I mustn't let this go. (laughs) And uh, I bought this book. I must admit it was through uh, 
help with uh, my honey crop over the previous summer. And uh, that got me started. And the interesting thing about Ged's book, and it's only in the first edition, and this was a first edition, just inside, in his handwriting, is uh, a statement to, to say, to avoid piracy, I sign this book. And this is one of my most important um, possessions, I think. Mm. And, and then I began to grow and collect bee books. And, and after four or five years, um, I was asked to provide a free and butler bumblebees for a customer. And I managed to do it eventually. And that customer was John Phipps. And John Phipps, uh, I got friendly with him, and we decided to produce a beekeeper's annual, which we did. And after two, we kept that going for 35 years or so. Uh, who is John, um, who's John Phipps? John Phipps is the editor of the Quarterly. And we went on to, to, to float a, a magazine called the Beekeeper's Quarterly. Okay. And that's what we do, really. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think... I don't think John could have done it without me, but I certainly couldn't have done it without John. He was, he is an amazing person uh, and is a well-respected editor um, in the beekeeping world. That's a good job. He's living in Greece now, isn't he? Yes, yes, yes. He's uh, happy there, you know. You said that you were... Um when you purchased that book, you were able to purchase it because of your honey crop. So you must have been a beekeeper when you started all of this. Jeremy, do you still have bees? Yes, yes. Just my back is a bit, a bit uh, difficult. And so I just have three, three bees on the property, three hives on the property. And uh, I look at them occasionally, but... Uh, I don't do it. I don't do it very seriously. I'm afraid. It's, uh, yeah. Well, I I, under, I understand that very well. Well, how, how many people do you have working with you on Northern Bee Books and your magazines? Uh, I don't know. Four or five. We have uh, we have at least three full timers, and then we have a number of part timers who come in and uh, help. And then and then of course we've got the editors. Around the you know around the world you know we've our beekeepers quarterly I think uh, I think the beekeepers quarterly is is very widely read and it has correspondence from all over the English speaking world. Are these academic? Are these academic journals? Are they are they popular hobbyist oriented? No, they're a bit they're a bit stronger than hobbyists. Mm-hmm. They're uh, thinking beekeepers, reading beekeepers. Um, Anne Harmon is one of his contributors. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, and you know what she does. And occasionally I've been able to grace his pages. He felt and that he Tom, needed to. Tom Seeley writes for us mm-hmm. and, you know, okay. a number of people. Well, that sounds really good. And you and that's, is that digital and paper or is that, is that. You can, you can get it digitally. Yes. Um, it's we're still working on it on on the best provision of digital um, digital subscription, but uh, I tend to encourage paper subscription. Yeah. Um, though it costs more, it's something you've got, you know. And uh, it's a nice. You, you bring you bring up bring up some good questions, Jeremy. When I was still with Bee Culture, we 
started a digital edition and thinking that this would certainly open up an international market because the price of postage to send it even to the UK or to parts further away was exorbitant. And I thought that certainly this would attract more people being able to get it for almost not quite, but almost free. And you just hit it on the head. When you've got a paper edition, it's something you have. When you don't have, when it's digital, it's something you had. And and uh, our digital our digital subscriptions on the foreign market didn't explode like I thought they would. And that is not uncommon with most magazines in the industry. I'm finding in any industry, I'm finding digital is not as popular as I think all of us thought it would be, because a paper copy is something you have. It's a good, a, a excellent way of putting it. You see, um, <clears throat> publications, publishers are faced with problems now. Um, you've got the digital and the, and the paper copy approach, but also in, in terms of books, we've gone very strongly down the instant print line because beekeeping, while there are a lot of beekeepers, it's a very, very small market. And if you produce books for a small market, there's a great risk that you're going to be left with a lot of stock that doesn't sell. Now, we've, we've published books by Brother Adam, um, I don't know, um, Samatozo, Mike Hood, um, Tabor, Hesback, all these Americans, and we do it instant print because we can we produce it they can buy it in a shop they can it can be printed in america it can be printed in australia it can be printed in england without any of the the overhead costs of printing properly and the quality of instant print is getting better and better and better and we're selling maybe 3000 books a year into the american market um, and that's quite significant, and we can never do it through traditional printing. So I think publishers have to, to look at the opportunities and develop them if they can. And I think the future for beekeeping publications generally, not all beekeeping publications, is instant print, certainly with books. I'm not familiar with the term or the technology. Is that something that you do to instantly print it in Australia or America or wherever? Or is that something the buyer does? They get a digital file? No. We, no. What happens, we generate the, the files, mm -hmm. and it's uploaded to an American company, Ingram, which is an amazing company. Mm -hmm. I think they're the largest digital printers in the world, and they have give you amazing service, and it allows you to serve the needs of a very small group of people. Yeah. Now, for instance, I'm, I'm married to a musician, and uh, three or four years ago, we, she didn't really encourage me. I thought it was an opportunity, but we published a book for hurdy-gurdy players. Now, you know what a hurdy-gurdy is, do you? And it's a sort of, it's it's a sort of thing that you pluck, and there's a drone, which which is in the background. It's a medieval instrument, okay. and all my colleagues in the office they laughed at me and they said, "You'll never sell a book." 
And I said, every single hurdy-gurdy player in the middle of the Australian desert will buy this book. <laughs> and I expect we've sold 300 around the world. Now, <clears throat> if you'd have published properly, uh, the people in Australia wouldn't have been able to afford it, probably wouldn't have even known about it, um, because it would have to have been shipped from England, and likewise in America. And so... Um, the future is instant print of one sort or another. You can get hardbacks, you can get softbacks. Hmm. You know, it's, it, well, it makes tremendous sense. Yeah, definitely. Well, publishing without inventory is uh, definitely an advantage and being able to ship it from the U.S. to the U.S. rather than from the U.K. to the U.S. What's the turnaround time from if I go on your webpage and order a book that you have to print instant print? Ah, if you... <clears throat> If you order one title from me, I will mail it from the state, from here, from the UK. And so you will, it'll probably be a week. Um, if you're a bookshop or a distributor in, in um, the US, it'll still take about a week because <laughs> their distribution, your distribution isn't quite as sharp as ours. I'm not being rude, I'm just being <laughs> realistic. You see? Well, we're much bigger than you are, Jeremy. That's, I'll, I'll blame it on that. How's that? Oh, yes. <laughs> but that's pretty good. A week turnaround from, yeah. from yeah. a non-existing book to in my hands uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I, I agree with you on the quality. I remember when you first started this, the quality was the, the quality it, was what it was. And, and you got, I'm going to say you got what you paid for, but I had it. In a week, I had the book. I wasn't yeah. buying it for art. I was buying it for information. Yeah. And and uh, now that it's getting better, I've seen some of the ones you put out just recently, and I'm getting hard-pressed to tell the difference between people that are running 10,000 copies on a, on, a, on a fancy press to uh, what they're doing with yours. So it's pretty yeah. impressive. You see, <clears throat> and with, with this ability, you can bring back um, – old books which have gone out of print. So we've done Langstroth and uh, Cook and uh, we've, done, uh, we've done Miller. And in fact, I rather hope to do Miller's One Year with the Bees, which is a fair uh, rarity. And I think I've got your copy still. I think, I think you do. <laughs> I have. I looked at it. I looked at it yesterday and I thought it's about time we did it. So, you know, it's... Uh, it brings back, the old beekeepers were not fools. They learned a lot. They knew a lot. And it's so easy nowadays to think that we know everything and we've learned everything. But actually, we can learn so much from these old books, so much of excellent Doolittle's work. It's, it's not equaled, you see, and... Uh, I believe strongly that this is this is a this is a contribution to the craft. Well, this is our contribution to the craft. What are some of your newest titles? Kind of go 180 degrees in the other direction. What are some of your latest titles that you're you're putting out? And uh, uh, Honeybee Drones by uh, Graham Kingham has just just come out mm -hmm. and has sold very well in the first 24 hours. Um, We've uh, we've done a book by Widdicombe on uh, 
principles of bee breeding, which is very, very popular in England, um, there's a strong feeling, which I, I think is correct, that the best bees for you are the bees of your area. And so if you're a, a small-scale beekeeper, you need to breed the bees which are good for the, your area and not necessarily bring them in. Now, I know in America there is this huge um, business of imported queens. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was, I was at a, a lecture the other day, and one of our leading beekeepers was, in effect, boasting about 200 queens that he'd uh, reared in a year, which in the English climate is quite good going. And a man called Steve Martin, who is a, a very well-known researcher in the beekeeping world, he, uh, he said in Hawaii, he said it's not 200, it's 2,000. And I think he quoted 2,000 queen bees every day of the year. Mm. Um, and so you might not have the need in, in America to, know, to, to consider your uh, stock. But certainly in England, it's a, it's a very strong, uh, um, import, of strong importance. And uh, that's book, that book's selling very well. And of course, the other books that we sell particularly well are the ones by Brother Adam, um, Beehaving of Buckfast Abbey, uh, Breeding the Honey Bee, and In Search of the Best Strains of Bees. And Brother Adam was a world figure yep. in the 30s and 40s. And uh, we were lucky enough that he came to us and asked us if we would like to publish for him. And that was in about 1970. And we've been publishing his work ever since. That's, that's pretty impressive lineup of books. No wonder, uh, no wonder that you have so many that you're, you're selling and, and, and it's so popular. The, the drone book, I, uh, Kim and I were talking the other day and he talked about um, how fascinating that book was and, um, and what he'd heard about it. So I, I look forward to reading that one. And you, can, you can buy it on Amazon, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or you can buy it on our website, which is northernbeebooks.co.uk. Um, we'll put Jerry's uh, website uh, link in the show notes and any of the other information he provides. We'll make sure uh, for our listeners, we'll, we'll put those in the show notes and you can click on them and see, check out his whole, his whole entire inventory and, and the titles that he has available. I have to uh, comment on the drone book, Jerry. I, you sent it to me uh, end of last week, I think I got it. And I was looking at it the other night, going through just doing, I'm going to do a review it for bee culture. And one of the facts in there jumped out at me. And I don't know if everybody knows this but me, uh, if, there's any sci- if there's science behind it. But the author was talking about why are drones bigger than Queen's End and workers? And the fact is that they're in, in the process of, of mating, there is a short time period in there where the drone is actually carrying the queen and yeah. she's not flying at all. So he has to fly for both of them. So he needs to be bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah. And I, I've been keeping bees for 40 years and I have never heard anybody explain that. So there you are. Um, learn something every day. That was fascinating. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm quite excited about that book. It's, uh, I don't think there's another book purely on drones. And, uh, you know, the author came to me and said, would you be interested in publishing? And it, it's, it's another example of a niche book. You wouldn't, a proper publisher wouldn't publish traditionally because he'd have to publish a thousand to get a price which was acceptable to the market. And uh, yep. the future is instant print, I'll tell you. Well, tell me about your other magazine, the one that you just recently started. <clears throat> John Phipps, my editor of the Beekeepers Quarterly, was very keen to increase the size of the quarterly and carry more about natural beekeeping. There are, there are a lot of people around the world interested in, in that sort of approach. And I knew that the magazine wouldn't hold up with another 12 pages in terms of weight and in terms of publishing. And so I said, well, let's float a new magazine. And uh, Natural Bee Husbandry came out. It's, uh, uh, it sells better, actually, in the States and in Germany than it does in England. There must, uh, but it's growing all the time. Um, and of course, for me, uh, there's a danger that people, uh, that people are a little offbeat. Uh, you might have to edit this out, but uh, uh, <laughs> they talk about, they talk about the, 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 the bees having, oh, I don't know, the, I don't know, they, they have the, the mirth of the, the bees, they've got this particular sort of feeling for, for honey. And I would say they're flat earthers, but then you have people like Tom Seeley who, who say to us quite clearly that the way we're keeping bees is detrimental to, to bees in the natural state. And uh, I think natural bee husbandry is, uh, I think it's, it's beginning to balance out between the people who, who are realistic and those who have, shall we say, um, an over-optimistic view of, of bees generally. Um, what we do know is the bees are necessary for the world. All insects are. Yeah. I've been working with Tom a little bit on a project uh, having to do with his Darwinian beekeeping philosophy. That's and it. we've kind of come up with a saying that if it's good for the beekeeper, it's probably bad for the bees. Yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of what we do kind of heads in that direction. Yeah. Uh, so, well, so the, 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 Natural Bee Husbandry magazine's doing okay then, especially Absolutely. in the States. It it washes its face. It's it's you know and it's growing. The subscription Good. base is growing, and quite a lot of people actually, more people, a greater proportion have the electronic version than have the beekeepers quarterly. Ah, uh, that makes sense. That makes uh, perfect sense when you look at the age of the subscriber, I'll bet you a nickel. Yeah. 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 
So. Is it does the Natural Bee Husbandry book or magazine? Is that a quarterly also, or is that a monthly? It's a quarterly. Okay. I I couldn't go down the line of producing a magazine monthly. I think I think people who produce magazines monthly get they age too soon. You know. <laughs> well, Kim's only twenty seven. <laughs> Uh, no, a quarterlies, because you see, <clears throat> within our setup, we also produce two music magazines. My wife's a professional musician, and we, we produce a, a magazine for recorder players, and we also re, uh, produce a magazine for harpsichordists or mm. uh, keyboard players, and uh, so there's quite a lot going on. You, so you definitely choose niche markets for your publications, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you this year we've produced 19 books in the in the last mm-hmm. year. And then we've also produced what one two three 12 14 issues of a magazine. Well, that's quite a lot for a small team. Quite a lot. Getting back I want to go back to the I want to go back to your natural magazine Jeremy and and the philosophy of, of your readers and and tell me a little bit more about where John, where your editor gets his material I employ the editor and that's not my worry okay <laughs> but he gets it from people who are practicing natural beekeeping around the world so we had an Australian who ran 200 hives and does it quite successfully without any sort of chemicals. Um, we have quite a lot of Americans writing for us. It's a very strong natural beekeeping community in Germany. Uh, and and they, they come up with the, with the goods. And my editor, um, occasionally I, I read to people and say, would you like to write for us? But generally, it's uh, they come to us because we are the only magazine that specialises in natural beekeeping in the world. Well, the other thing is about about the quarterly. I wanted to comment that uh, uh, being an avid reader of the quarterly when it comes out is that you get glimpses of beekeeping in all over the world. It's just not a UK publication. And that, to me, is the value of, of your magazine. Not that UK beekeeping isn't, but uh, I, I get a glimpse of all sorts of other countries and the things that are going on in it. The value of that to me is the same as a lot of other a lot of other things that I get is not that specific issue, but it's the trend over a couple of years as you're watching as you're watching beekeeping practices, beekeeping philosophies evolve over time. That to me is the value of what you're producing because it's a it's an ongoing record, which has a lot of value and isn't being done anywhere else. You see, some of our some of our um, uh, subscribers keep the magazine because they say they can get as much pleasure from one ten years old <laughs> as the present because <laughs> it it's full. It's not just beekeeping; it's the whole gamut. Of, of the craft, the history of the craft. So we had an article on Egyptian, Egyptian beekeeping, you know, two centuries ago or whatever, um, also by an American. 
Um, we, we encompass everything. And that's the way it is. You can't just write about how you keep bees and what you do to stop swarming or how you take the honey off or how you sell honey. Mm -hmm. There's much more to beekeeping than that. That's a well, it shows up yeah. every quarter when I when 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 you put out an issue. Jeff, have you ever have you ever seen his magazine? No, I'm thinking I'm gonna go out to the website and uh order me yeah, up a, have a, a quarterly. I'll send him. <laughs> I'll, I'll send him one. Send me an address, I'll send by an email, you'll be in the post tomorrow. <laughs> we'll do. I'll take you up on that immediately. Of course, what you haven't spoken about, or what I haven't spoken about, is my commitment to the National Honey Show. I was going there. You're right. Oh, sorry. No, that's good. Tell, <clears throat> I, th I think it was it was it last year or two years ago. You were given an award for decades of service to the National Honey Show. But before you yeah. before you go down that road for our North America listeners, uh, just what is the National Honey Show, and then then go into it real quickly. Yeah. Let me tell you, <clears throat> I believe that the National Honey Show is the largest honey show in the world. It might not be the oldest. I think Anne Harmon would, would suggest that there were one, one or two shows in America uh, before. But in about 1890, something like, no, no, a bit later than that, uh, two or three associations gathered together to show honey. And it's grown to an event which is held for the last two or three years in a race course near London, a Sandown Park race course in their facilities. This year we had 2,200 entries. Um, it, it is a very high standard. If you win at the National, you really have won. And in fact, the chief judge at the National has been the chief judge at Apomondia for the last two uh, Apomondia events. Um, and we have, we have visitors, competitors, particularly from Europe and, and around, but we have, we have more and more American visitors who come just for the occasion, for the three days of lectures, of talking to beekeepers, of looking at the huge range of, 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 uh, of classes, the classes for different sorts of honey, for comb honey, uh, wax modeling, mead, um, mm. all, all sorts of things. And uh, <clears throat> it's an amazing event. I think Kim has spoken on two or three times over the last 15 years or so. I, I might be wrong. Was it only twice, Kim, or was it three times? Uh, I was going to say four, but I'm not sure anymore. And there you are. <laughs> See, it probably was four. And uh, it's, it's, it is, it is, I mean, we had this, this year, we had five people who'd flown in from Australia just for the weekend, mm. just for the honey show. Uh, it's once you've been there, you want to go again. Uh, Sounds wonderful. Jeff, I've been, I, I was asked to do, be a steward there a couple of times. That's to yeah. help the judges do the, actually, you're the gopher for the judge. When he needs or she needs something, you're the one that goes, goes for it. Okay. But 
it's on, it's an honor to be able to do that. And at one of the honey shows is where I met Marina Marchesi, the my co-author for the uh, the, the honey book that we did yes, together. Yes, we yeah, she was there, so. she was she was there in the following year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah. So it's a uh, you can spend a you can spend a day in the room in the in the display room. Yeah. Uh, easily spend a day looking at all of the entries. And Jerry, you won you, you won an award. Your hunt. No, they gave me an award for be for being there for forty years, which I think is, you know, it's, uh, I think they were they're looking forward to when I'm not there. I think <laughs> I've been awkward over the years, but uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm a trader. I'm not a I'm I'm not there as a, a as a competitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just take there with my books. And, uh, and, and 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 on this side of the pond, it's called vendor. Just vendor, just to, okay. Vendor. Yeah, just to make I'm sure. I'm a vendor. People. I I know my position in the beekeeping world. <laughs> but his but his uh, his uh, vending area, Jeff, will be seven or eight, ten tables full of books. Well, oh, at least. Yeah, oh, it's, at least. it's huge acres. Acres. Yeah. We we take down a, a three and a half ton uh, van. Mm-hmm. And I'm always worried that we're overladen, you know, so it's, uh, we have a lot of books. What else do we need to mention, Jerry? It's very difficult to describe exactly what we do. Uh, <laughs> to, you know, we, we're doing so much and uh, let's hope we can continue doing it. And uh, yeah. I think probably if I have any sort of plan for the next year, it's to encourage more and more American writers to to publish with me. <laughs> well, there you go. You have it here on the podcast, and, and maybe you'll get one or two writers from those listening here today. Well, Jerry, Jerry, I want to uh, appreciate you taking your time uh, this evening there uh, to join us on the Beekeeping Today podcast, uh, and I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for inviting me. You bet. Good talking to you again, Jeremy. Take care of yourself. All right. I'll now go and have that glass of wine, I promised myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Jerry has a lot of good knowledge here. I can't believe... I mean, our our listeners can't see Jerry's office, but man, he has a lot of... A lot of books and paraphernalia in the back of his office. No wonder he's so well read and so well respected in the industry. That's that's pretty amazing. It's almost as almost as as your office looks, Kim. <laughs> There's a lot of papers and books there. He's a good 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 yeah. guy to have on the podcast. He was. I've known Jeremy a lot of years, and where we we were looking at him, where our audience is only listening to him, he was sitting in his office, which is on the second floor of his house, mm-hmm. uh, talking about his two magazines, The Quarterly and Husband, Natural Husbandry and uh, the National Honey Show. He's got his fingers in a lot of pots over there, and he plays a much bigger role in book publishing in this country than, than most people are aware of because of his instant printing. So uh, when you take a look at where that book came from, take a look at for Northern Bee Books. You'd be surprised how many he's got out there. Yeah, I was. Uh, I guess at some point I'd heard about the instant printing, but to talk to someone who's actually in the process of using it and, and runs their business uh, through the use of instant print, 
printing. Uh, that was fun, and and we all benefit from it, and especially in this day and age when we're so used to getting everything right now and in in twelve hours using Amazon Prime, it's <laughs> or something like that. It's nice to hear that. Uh, Jeremy over in the UK can uh, we can order a book from him and we can get it in a couple of days without the international transit and everything else. So it's it's all good. Yep, it, it's you order it from here. It's printed here and it's delivered here. And all he does is handle handle the the transaction over there. So um, it's a it's I'm, I'm I say this carefully. It's another wave of the future. Yeah, no, I like it. And when you think about the. Uh, the I like it when you think about how it cuts down on the pollution of the transit over the transatlantic pollution as 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 delivery of the books. I mean, you know, every little bit helps. Yep, yep, he does a good job. All right, well, that about wraps it up for this podcast. Before we go, I want to encourage our listeners to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts wherever you download and stream the show. Your vote helps other beekeepers find us quicker. We want to thank this episode's sponsor, Global Patties. Check them out at www.globalpatties.com. And while you're there, give them a shout out for sponsoring this episode. And finally, we want to thank you, the Beekeeping Today podcast listener, for joining us on the show. Feel free to send us questions and comments at questions at beekeepingtodaypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Anything else, Kim? I think that about wraps it up today, Jeff. Yeah, it does. Well, thanks a lot, Kim, and and thanks for uh, uh, getting Jeremy on the show. Have a good one. All right, you too. Bye-bye.